just want to talk to you for a little bit about Christmas. We've dealt a lot with this in the last couple weeks. But today, man, just as I've been preparing, this phrase, Emmanuel, which means God with us in a new way. See, Jesus coming to this earth, he had to legally come as a man. He had to empty himself of his godly attributes and he had to take on flesh so that he could be the Lamb of God, so that he can die in our place. Do you know all of my sin, all of it, was condemned once and for all in his body? I'm so grateful. I'm so glad that all of my sin was condemned in the body of Jesus on the cross. And the Bible says, literally, that he was made to be sin with my sin so that I would be made his very righteousness. And now I could walk in the earth. I can walk in the earth with God. See, we're celebrating God being with us. But Jesus in a manger is God with us. Literally, God with us. But listen, his ultimate plan was not just to be with us. His ultimate plan was that he would go to the cross and die for us. God wanted to be in us. It's amazing. When you accept Christ, old things are passed away, everything becomes new. So let's talk about that a little while today. God is with us. You know, I got to tell you, we're going to scream that God is good. This church will proclaim that. He's a healer. He's a provider. His mercy is greater than your disobedience. He will turn your life right side up, right? And here's the way God does it. He doesn't, he doesn't beat you up, right? Have you ever seen a Christian beating somebody up? Man, you better turn or you're going to burn in hell. You know what that means to somebody who doesn't believe in God? Man, that person's a freak, right? We've seen some of that in California where guys are preaching. I thought they were going to throw one kid off the pier, you know? So, but it was, but all the time the Bible says the goodness of God leads us. It leads us to him. It leads us to change directions in our life. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Actually, being interpreted is God with us in a new way, right? So Jesus, remember this now, and I, I even talked about this a little bit in this series. Jesus came, right? He came into humanity. He didn't come out of it like all of us. He existed before, right? The birth of Christ was not his beginning. It was his manifestation. It was when he was shown. For the first time, man could literally see God in the baby, Jesus. Jesus laying in a manger in Bethlehem, Israel. I mean, think about that. Laying in a feeding trough in a cave in Bethlehem on a planet that he created. He's the creator. He is God. Jesus is not a way, right? He's the way. 
right? He's not a truth, he's the truth. He's not just a type of life, he is life. And here's the deal, today, whether you know him or whether you don't, God loves you, right? Died for the sins of the whole world. God loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life. He laid it all out. The Bible says that the plans and purposes that he has for us outnumber the sand. And the reason why, I mean, we don't live very long on the earth. Our life is like a vapor, right? But why all these plans that God has? Do you know God has many, many plans? The majority of them are past, past this life in eternity, right? This is like a vapor. This is just the beginning. This is like a dress rehearsal. And as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I mean, you know, our bodies are subject to sickness and disease. Uh, poverty and lack is here. Uh, you know, all this stuff is here. The destroyer's here. But God has given us authority over that so that we can walk free in this earth. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 it, this verse, in this one verse, it lays it all out. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Well, what is the mystery of godliness? I'm so glad you asked. It goes on to tell us, first of all, that God was manifest in the Spirit. In other words, God was manifest. He became visible, I'm sorry, in the flesh. Number two, he was justified in the spirit. Number three, he was seen of angels. Do you know up until Jesus was born, and we talked about this as we talked about the Christmas story, why did the, ho the angelic host, all the armies of heaven, come that night? They came to honor their commander, and for the first time, they were able to look into the face of God. Many theologians believe, I, I believe this too by many scriptures, that it's the first time that they could ever look into his face. We see the throne of God, some pictures uh, that are outlined in the word of God where there's angelic beings that fly around the throne of God and they, we don't know how long they've been doing this, but they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They constantly do that. And, and the, in the ancient Hebrew text, it's they're, they're responding, they're seeing something new about his personality. And that's what's causing them to say, holy, holy, holy. In the ancient Hebrew dialect, this word holy is also a warning, like warning, holy, right? But these creatures, they're seeing something new in his personality, which is amazing because they have wings that cover their eyes. But they still see. But it's not really that amazing, right? Man, I see things about God every day. But I don't see him with my natural eyes. Jesus is more real to me than anything natural. Right? When I'm down, he lifts me up. When I'm weak, he strengthens me. When something attacks me, he's more than enough and gives me the victory and the triumph. When I mess up and choose wrong, his mercy is there. He's long-suffering. He never gives up on me. And he won't with you either. It says here, preached unto the Gentiles 
believed on in the world and then received back up into glory. Right now, today, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of his Father. And what's he doing? He ever lives to make intercession for us. The fact that he's on the throne and that his blood was put on the mercy seat in heaven declares that we are forever his. And he's watching over our words to perform them. He's a good God. In John chapter 1, it talks about this Emmanuel thing. It says this, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. We know from Revelation 19 that his eternal name is the word of God. So in the beginning was the word. Wherever that beginning was, the word had already existed. He tried to figure this one out. We live in time. He doesn't. God has always existed. And the word was with God. This is, this is the Greek, Greek word pros. It's face to face. It talks about an intimacy. Right? The word, God the Father, God the Son, the way they work, God the Holy Spirit, they work in intimate relationship. God the Father comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan, and then the Holy Spirit reveals the plan, right? Because everything God does is for others. It's amazing. It says, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Wow. In other words, he's the creator of all things. One scripture even tells us he holds all things together by the word of his power. They still can't figure out why matter sticks together. Right? Well, we know it's by the word of his power. It says here in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light or the development of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend means the darkness did not lay hold of it. Right? When Jesus was on the earth, many did not lay hold of him. I'm so glad I've laid hold of him. Aren't you? Today, if you haven't laid hold of him, oh, he wants it. He wants it. He wants to come into your life. And he wants to show you who he really is, how much he loves you. In verse 10, in the same chapter, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They chose not to join themselves to him. But as many as received him, another Greek word, but as many as simply accepted him, look at this, I love this scripture. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You know, today, the way it works in all of our lives, you'll never get away from this, is what you hear is what you're going to believe. Right? And what you believe is what's going to cause you to act and speak. And what you say and what you do will produce the harvest that you live in. So this is why we preach the word of God, because his word is life. His word is designed to get your belief right. 
Jesus isn't a answer, he's the answer. That's what we celebrate this day. In verse 14, it goes on to say, now here's the incarnation, God with us, and the word was made flesh. In the, in the literal meaning of this verse, and the word literally took upon himself flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. His glory. This Greek word glory means his goodness, his power, and his presence. We beheld the goodness of God, the power of God, and his presence. As you walk with the Lord, God wants you every day to experience his goodness, his powers available, right? And his presence, he's always with you. In other words, Jesus was a divine human being. He was the first of his kind. Verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. This word declared in the Greek language means Jesus, literally what Jesus did is he drew who God was, this invisible God, he drew him out of the shadows and made him visible. It literally means the shadows of the unknown into the realm so that he could be known by people. It means to reveal, to make known. And here's the other part of this word. Jesus literally was manifest so that we would be shown the way of how we can know the Father. He showed us the way. That's why he said, I am the way. I'm not a way, right? Right, didn't Buddha at the end of his life, he said, you know, I really don't know what truth is. Muhammad at the end of his life, you've heard me say this before, Muhammad at the end of his life said, well, I think I might be pointing to the truth, but Jesus, right, the one we serve, the one that has an empty tomb, said, no, 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 I am the truth, right? He didn't talk like the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day. Have you ever, I mean, if you want to know how a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you know, they were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But, you know, these religious leaders, see, if you want to know what they sound like, just go read a commentary. I mean, it's like, well, on one hand, theologian so-and-so says this. On another hand, I think it could be like this. But when Jesus showed up, it freaked everybody out because he spoke with authority. He didn't say, well, on one hand, it could be this way. and on No, he said, no, no, this is the way it is. I love that about him. There's no manipulation in God, right? He is just out in the open. If he were to manifest himself physically before you, he'd say, man, I just love you. I know who, I know who you could be in me. So good. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, talking about the same thing, it says that Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. In other words, Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. Isn't that cool? God is Jehovah. The word Jehovah means the self-existent one who reveals himself. He wants you to know him. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 26 and verse 27, it says, even the mystery, 
the mystery. This is something that has been hidden, but is now revealed. It was hidden in the past, but it was now revealed, which has been hid or kept secret from ages and from generations. But now this mystery that has been hidden is revealed, but now is made manifest to his saints, those who give their life to him. The mystery is manifested to them. Look at what it says here, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And here's the mystery. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. I love that. Hallelujah. Christ in you. Man, it's the hope of glory. Do you know we are the only classified religion on the planet that worships the God who is in them? Isn't that cool? He's with you, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So in Colossians 2.10, it goes on to say, and you are complete in him. You're complete. It means, literally, it's the Greek word that means, and you are completely made full in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You're complete. You're made full in him. So now, this Emmanuel God with us is kind of going to a whole new level. It's starting to talk about now how he's given us authority, which is the head of all principality and power. So Paul is making a comparison here. If you study the book of Colossians, and he's talking, this is a Christmas story. This is God with you. He's saying in the same way that he said Jesus had the fullness of God in him, in the same way, likewise, we have the fullness of Christ in us. That's crazy, right? Our born-again spirit is identical in righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Now, this is funny because, you know, have you ever been, we've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, but have you ever met a Christian that maybe looked exactly like somebody and acted exactly like somebody who didn't even know God? I saw one of those guys today Way even before I got in my car to come to church, I, I, you know, I was, I was looking right at him when I was shaving and brushing my teeth, right? All I got to do to look just like somebody in the world who doesn't know God is just respond out of my flesh. I'm so thankful God helps me, and I've learned how not to do that, so that when I start moving in that direction, I just, I'll pull myself back. But this is what this is talking about. Our, our born-again spirit is identical in righteousness. It's identical in authority. He gave all his authority to us on the earth. It's the same in power. We have access to the very power of God. Isn't that amazing? The same power because our born-again spirit is one with the spirit of Christ. Now, are we saying we're God? Well, of course not but we're his kids, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Galatians 4, 6 goes on to say, and because your sons, because your sons, God has sent forth his, the Spirit of his Son into your heart, and it causes us to cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba means daddy. It's intimate. He's not just the God of heaven, he's my dad, right? Positionally, in other words, we are complete in him. Recognition of our completeness in Christ is our safeguard against deception. You have to know that your identity, you're complete in him, and it'll keep you from being deceived and thinking you're something you're not. You know, it's really, really kind of amazing in the world, people think I'm all that because of what I do or the education I have or the money I have. You know, they find their identity in these things. But I love the scripture where it says, you know, what do you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it, why are you acting like you didn't? Right? I mean, Pastor Edwin, you're pretty smart. PhD in biochemistry. But you know what? Unless God gave you a brain... And by the way, the air to fill your lungs that he made, right? Everything we have, we've received. It's like when I get up to preach. Do you know? Do you, I mean, it's so simple to me. If it's all about me, guess what? Let's just go home and eat some turkey because I can't do anything. But man, when the anointing is there, and God is not only ministering to me, but ministering to you through the foolishness of preaching. It's amazing. It's amazing when you lay hands on somebody who's sick and they recover. It's amazing when we've had literally, we've had people where we've laid hands on a prayer cloth and they've taken it and put it on a person who was sick somewhere else and the healing power of God healed them. These things are amazing. Our identity is in him. I'm complete in him. I'm not complete because of anything I do. To be honest with you, everything I do is a result. Everything, everything flows out of the overflow of my personal walk with the Lord, and that's what he wants for you too. See, man was not created to be independent. We're, we're not created to just do our own thing, right? You've heard me say this. The banana that gets pulled away from the bunch is the one that always gets peeled, right? You know, I mean, you know, we watch, we watch these movies on TV about these big, strong guys that are just, have you ever noticed all these, all these guys, you know, uh, Stallone and uh, Chuck Norris, which Chuck Norris, I mean, he, he changes planets right now, some of, these, some of these things. But, you know, if you look at some of these movies, they're disasters. Their life's a mess, Right? Well, why is that? Because we're made to literally walk with God. Do you know the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they don't act independently. They act together. Jesus said when he was on the earth, I only say what I hear my Father say. Right? I only do what I see him do. And that's Zoe, eternal life. People will say this. They'll say, well, you know, I don't want to give my heart to Christ, you know, because I want to live my own life. And you know, there's not one human being that's ever lived their own life. It's a deception. People that don't know God are literally under 
the enemy's blinding their minds and putting a bunch of junk in their life, I mean, that, that they don't even know. They think they're living their own life. I remember a young man that I witnessed to when I was, I was 21, he was 21. You know, we were both super athletic in shape. And uh, I remember one day when I was working and the Lord put it on my heart, I want you to tell Ray about me. And so, you know, Ray, I, I, he came over to where I was working and I said, hey, I go, Ray, I'm a Christian. I go, can I just tell you about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus? And he's like, you know, Tony, he goes, listen, he goes, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe he's God, but I, you know, I'm young, living in Southern California, kind of want to do my own thing. And then someday when I kind of get through this phase, I'll give my heart to him, but not now because I want to do my own thing. And so, you know, I said, well, listen, I go, if that ever changes, man, I'm here. And I would love to tell you because he loves you and he's got a plan for your life that's better than anything the world could give you. And he goes, well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, and, and so we parted ways. He came back to my work later on that day and he goes, hey, a bunch of guys are coming over to my apartment. We're going to watch this sporting event. Then we're just going to kind of hang out. I'd love to invite you. And I'm like, oh, man, I go, I go, I, got, I would love to come. I've got this youth thing at our church that I minister to these young people. And so I can't come. But thank you, please invite me another time. And he goes, oh, I sure will. I came to work the next day. And I'm, I'm, in my, I'm at my workstation. It was an aerospace company. And, uh, you know, about, about mid, midway through the morning, I'm like, where's Ray? So I go up to somebody, I'm like, hey, where's Ray at? I don't even know, have any idea why I'm saying this. And, and people are like, you, what, have you been living under a rock today? You didn't hear? I'm like, what? No. He goes, man, a bunch of us were at his house yesterday. We're at his apartment. And uh, one of the guys and Ray were, we all were arm wrestling. And so Ray was at his kitchen table arm wrestling this guy. And right in the middle of it, Ray looked up at him, let go of his hand, and grabbed his heart. And he hit the ground, and he was dead when he hit the ground. This young, in-shape guy, what he didn't know is he had a heart disorder. And he literally had a massive heart attack. That, that rocked me. You know, that was 39 years ago. He has been in hell for 39 years. He's in a place where God never created man to go to. It was created for Satan and the fallen angels that rebelled in heaven. It was not made for man. God doesn't even send people to hell. He just honors their decision to go there. And it, and it rocked my world to the core. It gave me an eternal perspective. You know, that's why it says in the word of God, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Total satisfaction with Christ completely disarms Satan's lies. What do you mean? When you realize that God loves you, when you realize that, man, he loves you, he knows you, he wants to be with you, and he is the one who satisfies. It literally changes your life. It'll disarm every lie of the enemy. Every lie of the enemy, you're not good enough. You're not, or like me, you're not worthy, you're worthless. I grew up believing that lie, right? Right? 
all these lies. You know, you hear about suicide. Man, that's a spirit. It's very deceptive. And in our day and age, we're hearing more and more suicide rates are exploding because people are just, they're just deceived and they're going through a lot. A full revelation of our completeness in Christ, it keeps us from chasing after things that Satan has to offer. Nothing he has to offer compares to what God has to offer. Now, because we're complete in him, now our hunger should only be for more revelation of who he is. The Bible actually says that eternal life, this is what it is. It's knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Wow. Then in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, it says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know this word know means that we might see it and perceive it and know it, know the things that are freely given to us by God. In other words, God has given, the Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The moment you get saved, you are given everything. And then the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to now teach you so that you can see and perceive those things that he's given you. That's why the Bible says, I'm the God who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's knowing all those things that he's freely given us. It's really wonderful. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 32, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. So now, I want to take just a couple minutes. Just a couple minutes. Hang with me. I've got about 16 more minutes is, is my goal today. And I'm really going to try to do that. Don't expect that Wednesday night. But anyway, no, I'm just teasing. I want to go through a passage of scripture that is powerful. And it really talks about what we're talking about. How Jesus was made flesh for us. It says in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at a few verses here. In Philippians 2, 6, talking about Jesus, it says, who being in the form of God. In the, this Greek word form means in the outward form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus, he's God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with his father, with the Holy Spirit. See, before he was born in Bethlehem, he was in the form of God in all of his glory and splendor and power. Jesus possessed all the attributes of God, all of them, the power, the glory, the splendor. The angels could not look into his face. Humans could not exist in his presence because of that glory. Verse 7, but Jesus chose something. He made himself of no reputation. This, this is a little vague in the King James. This word no reputation means that Jesus, in all his power and glory and splendor, as the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, emptied himself. 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He took upon himself the form of a servant. This word servant means one whose complete life is completely wrapped up in serving his master, fulfilling his will. Jesus said when he was on the earth, my strength, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. I love that. God did something, in other words, to change his form. Because it was impossible for man to see God, he removed his outward splendor, his outward power, and his outward glory because flesh couldn't endure that. God reached into the physical world that he had made and seized flesh and took upon himself flesh in the womb of Mary, this virgin girl, teenager, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. God literally changed his form. Isn't that amazing? To do this, he had to first shed all of his godly attributes and he had to reclothe himself in flesh. In verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And then it says, even the death of the cross which was the most degrading and humiliating way known to man to die. Crucifixion. Jesus was on a cross. I mean, literally, he would have been maybe, his head would have been maybe eight feet in the air, right, right here, right alongside of a road, completely naked, beaten. The Romans could keep somebody away or alive up to two weeks and torture them. But Jesus died a real unique death. He died of a, his heart exploded. We know that. Because when they pierced his side, water and blood came out. So that's a sign that his heart exploded. When all of our sin, when all the weight and judgment of everything was put on him, he died for us. It's amazing. But it says he was being found in fashion as a man. This word fashion is really cool because it depicts the story of a king that is looking through his window and he just wants to be intimate and close with his people, but he can't do it because he has his kingly splendor. If he walked in there, people would just, they'd be bowing down, they'd be, they wouldn't be, he couldn't be intimate with them. So what, this, this word fashion, it means he, he took off his clothes and he put on the clothes of a servant so that he could look like everybody else, and then he went and dwelt with his people. He was in fashion as a man. This is why Jesus is touched with the feelings of all of your weaknesses. He knows the mess. He knows the source of the lies that maybe have twisted some things in your life and made you believe wrong things, and he wants to come in and help you and meet you right where you are and be gentle and I mean, he loves like nobody else. It says here in verse 9 of Philippians 2, Wherefore, because he did this, God also hath his Father has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Jesus' name is above every name. 
It says in verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven. Actually, in the Greek, it would read of things and beings in heaven and things or beings in the earth and things or beings under the earth. He's given a name and, and literally this scripture, this, this word bow, it literally means to bow in reverence and honor. It doesn't mean you're forced to bow. So every human being who has ever lived will someday bow. Wow. Right? Every, every being. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Do you know every human being that's ever lived, we're eternal. We're a spirit. We live in a body. We possess a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. When a person dies... The word death in the Bible doesn't mean ceasing to exist. It literally means to be separated. Your spirit is separated from your body. And I'm telling you, for eternity, it's just like real estate, right? Everything is location, location, location. You don't want to go down. Underneath our feet in the earth, do you realize that every person who's ever lived that did not accept that sacrifice of Christ, everyone is still alive. They're just separated from God. Those who've just simply received that sacrifice and invited him to be their Lord and have given him their life, they're in heaven. They're still alive too. God wants you with him. So it says here, and that every tongue, verse 11, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, the name of Jesus is above all that we will ever face. It's really kind of amazing. Wow. See, talking about this authority, this is why in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus said, behold, I give you delegated authority. We know from other scriptures in the name of Jesus that you would tread on serpents and scorpions. This word tread means that you would have absolute mastery. Serpents and scorpions, this is a type of the whole satanic hierarchy. Demons, fallen angels, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, all of it. We are to have absolute mastery over them and over all the ability. It says power, but that Greek word means ability of the enemy. Satan has no power anymore because he's been stripped. The only power he has now is deception. He lies to people, right? But we, that's why we preach the word. We're to have absolute mastery over these things. And it says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, why do Christians get hurt? Because they don't know, right? This stuff doesn't happen automatically. You have to believe it. See, God he never pushes himself on anybody. He always gently leads. Satan is always driving, right? I love John chapter 3 in verse 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world that what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And this word believe means, I believe this so strongly, and here's the dividing lines. Because see, a lot of people say they believe in God. 
But this word believe, to be born again, to be changed, you have to believe it so much you're willing to commit your life to it. And that's where we have that, that, that change. It's like, well, no, I'm not willing to commit my life to this. Right? And this is why we preach. Because God's so good, only he can satisfy. Can you have, oh, sin, you'll have, you can have some fun in the world, but there's no satisfaction. You go to this rockin' concert. I remember years ago when I was uh, in, the, in the corporate world and I went to uh, uh, the guy who ran the Meadowlands uh, and ran all this stuff in New Jersey. He's like, hey, Michael Jackson is here with this thriller concert and, you know, I want to take you. You know, you, you really, and I really didn't listen to secular music, but working out in the gym, you hear all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we go and, I mean, we go in a special entrance and we're sitting right behind Whoopi Goldberg and... Uh, what's the guy, Hill Street or some cop movie, Eddie Murphy. We're sitting right behind these guys. I don't remember. But anyway, we're sitting behind these celebrities, celebrities all around us, and then this concert happens. And I'm telling them, I'm like, I'm like, I wasn't really looking forward to it. And then when it started, I'm like, wow, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was powerful. And, and, and it was, there was a natural anointing on him. And it was weird as I was sitting there, the Lord was talking to me about the anointing. He's saying, do you notice how this is not, it's really cool, but it's just not affecting you at all. And I'm like, yeah. Because I mean, when the anoint, like right now, it's hard for me to even control myself. You probably can't tell it, but there's a flow, like a, a, a mountainous river on the inside of me that's flowing. It, it all... I stay under this. It's, I can't talk about it. I start crying. It satisfies me. It's so weighty. But in this concert, I'm like, it's cool. It's amazing. His lead guitar player, man, I, I wouldn't mind if she got saved and was on our worship band. And she'd rock us out. It was, it'd be amazing. But when it was over, it was like, wow, that was great. And you leave. And you're like, okay, that was great. What's next? Right? That's the way the world is. There's nothing, there's nothing long-term that satisfies. I don't care what kind of house you live in, where you live, how many beaches you lay on, or for some of you that still need to develop spiritually, the mountains that you go to in the snow, you know, I, I, which I don't understand. Snow, it's, I love mountains. I love to look at them and go, wow, look at that, white-capped mountains. I love to look at them from 72 degrees you know, I, that's, that's my idea of that. But. but you know, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy, but he can satisfy. Amen. It says here in verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow. So let me just read this. I'm going to read this scripture in 1 John just kind of in closing. In 1 John 5.11, it says, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, this word ask means if I call for, if I require, if I make a demand for anything, according to his will, he hears us. This is how good God is. And it says, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired. So if you know, if you ask something that is God's will, you know that he hears you and you know that you have what you've asked him for. Why? Well, religion says sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no, right? But the Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes and amen. Amen means so, much, so be it unto you. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we've desired of him. Wow. It's amazing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God.